0: Football Daily, your audio accompaniment to our coverage of Group of Five Football with Sports Illustrated Media Group and Fan Nation. Joe Londrigan here with you as always, excited to talk about uh, a couple of programs that I think started to get us excited about their progression in 2023, and that's the University of Hawaii and Arkansas State. I have a couple of guests this week that's going to help us dive into each of those teams' Think you're really going to enjoy it. Couple thoughts, notes, housekeeping things to start the show off. Combines done. Interesting weekend there. Um, saw a few good flashes from some of the G five guys. Uh, Quinion Mitchell obviously looked phenomenal. So you'll see more and more stuff on that in the build up to the draft from us on the podcast side. We are going to have uh, something akin to what we've done on the show in the past iteration of it. And by that, I mean we're gonna do a draft preview mega episode that's gonna last about an hour. And have a few different guests come in and and talk about some of the prospects that have us excited on the group of five side. And you know, for people that like to nerd out about that kind of thing, enjoy. It's gonna be a big, big (laughs) uh, undertaking that we're still working on, but expect that a little bit later in March. That'll be fun. But regardless, appreciate everyone for sticking with our coverage the last uh, eight months or so, or maybe a little bit less than that. But time's flying by, and we've been putting in a ton of work to make it the best product we can. But for now, um, let's jump into the show. First, we're going to talk about the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Five wins last season. Looking to get to six and get back to the postseason would be the first time they've done that under Timmy Chang to talk about what they need to do and, and what they've done this spring to maybe get themselves a little bit closer to that. Um, brought in a good guest, in my opinion. He's on ESPN Honolulu. He does a Hawaii football show there. Um, he played for Hawaii in the uh, Nick Rolovich days when he was the head coach there. was a quarterback, fantastic guy. From the limited interactions I've had with him, but um, does a great job covering the program there on the ground in Honolulu. Hunter Hughes, I think you're really going to enjoy his perspective, and and I certainly enjoy talking to him. So that's going to be our first segment today. Enjoy it. <laughs> wanted to get some perspective on hawaii spring football practices and the spring game they completed this past sunday with someone who knows the program really really well uh first came across him working for espn honolulu does a great job also a former hawaii football player himself hunter hughes welcome to the program today
1: hey thanks so much for having me brother
0: yeah of course uh off the top do you want to let people know uh you know just kind of the type of content you make and and the places where they can find your insight on uh on the bows at the moment
1: yeah absolutely. So. I uh I am the co host of the afternoon show here uh in uh, Honolulu for ESPN Honolulu. Our show is called Off the Bench. Uh you can find us on ESPN uh, Honolulu dot com or uh kind of wherever you can find uh digital uh digital podcasts. Um and then as well we, we host a uh a weekly football podcast called Hawaii Football Now. And uh me and my partner Jordan Helle, we've been uh uh, covering Hawaii football for the better part of the last two years um, and uh, a little bit before then, actually, too. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, we don't have professional sports out here in Hawaii, so uh, Hawaii football is about as big as it gets. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's big for us out here.
0: You know, understandable. From the brief time I've, I've spent in Honolulu, people, people go nuts for it. Um, they started spring practice m- uh, way before most other FBS teams played the first – Spring game on the FBS schedule here uh, this past Sunday uh, for you, just want to start off if you can give me any you know observations uh, from the spring game and and those practice sessions leading up to
1: it that stand out to you yeah you know the the timing kind of caught us a little bit off guard to uh, be fully transparent um uh, a vast majority of maybe not huge majority but th- there's a sizable amount of our starters that are down with injury right now and so um there there was a, a large kind of um importance put on giving those guys as much time as physically possible to rehab during this off season so i think that's a big reason why we began spring ball even the last week of january um the the, the fact that we're already pow with uh with, sorry that's that's the hawaiian slang for we're done now Pow <laughs> um <laughs> the fact we're, we're done now with uh, Hawaii spring ball is, uh, is pretty incredible. Uh, even the time that I was a player, we wouldn't get going until mid March. Um, and so it just, uh, th- I think it speaks to this team and uh, how they're needing to uh, rehab, but also some of our positions needing to bulk up. Um, our O-line isn't super big right now. Um, we're, uh juggling a couple things as a staff right now too uh the uh o-line coach and our safeties coach uh headed for greener pastures in the middle of spring ball so it was a little bit of a transient uh spring ball if uh if i'm being honest um but then the the, the cool thing about where the team is at right now is that they're in year three under coach timmy chang and for a lot of the offensive uh, players uh, specifically, this is the the third year under the run and shoot offense, and so a lot of the receivers, um, uh, a couple of the running backs, and then certainly our quarterback, Braden Shager. This is our this is our third year under this system, and if you go back throughout uh, the years when Hawaii was most successful under that offense, it was kind of right around year three, um, where that uh, they were able to kind of click and um, and have chemistry to the level uh, needed to be successful in the Mountain West.
0: You mentioned Brayden Shager. We saw him dip a toe in the transfer portal this offseason, quickly uh, recommitted to Hawaii. Uh, former quarterback yourself, what's your evaluation of where Shager's game is currently and from what you saw this spring?
1: Yeah, uh, well, Brayden uh, got his right arm touched by God. Uh, he, can, he can let it loose better than many people that I've ever played with Um, just throughout spring. I watched him let one rip, I think landed at about 82 yards. um, And that was into the wind. Um, So his strongest attribute without question is his arm strength. Um, And then the other thing that he has, um a little bit differently than the other guys on the uh the depth chart is just his um his his poisonous confidence in this offense he has more game time experience than anybody else and you know i i actually was afforded a uh, conversation with him during that kind of uh as you mentioned dip a toe in transfer portal to kind of see what else is out there and uh we we talked that no no matter how green the pastures might look if they can't guarantee you a starting job, well, it's not that green. And, um, I know he was entertaining some, some large NIL, uh, um, uh, suitors, but in the end of the day, I don't know if they could promise him the same thing that Hawaii would promise him in terms of, um, a starting job and the amount of passing attempts that this, uh, Hawaii team is, uh, is poised to, uh, to have this, uh, this coming fall. And so Th- this spring it just looked like the offense uh matured it, it looked like um his uh, his pre-snap reads were were much more definitive it looked like his um uh his decision making was uh, was was much more sound uh if you you watch any of our film towards the later half of the year uh this past season uh, he did a really good job taking what the defense gave him because they're so afraid of his arm a lot of, of times they, 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 they create a lot of a space over on the defense. And so he he found himself picking up a lot of yards on his feet. And so he did that on a handful of occasions this spring as well. And to, to us out here in Hawaii, it just means that he's going to be um, even more ready come fall.
0: Uh, we know Shager on the mainland. People know some of the receivers that you, uh, you refer to Steven McBride, the Kansas transfer. Uh, people are are learning quickly about Pofeli Ashlock uh, had all mountain West season this past uh, year. Who's a piece of this team that casual observers of Hawaii football, you know, may be missing at least as it relates to the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, there's, there's two local products um, in our starting uh, receiver core. Those, those starting four guys, um, the number 1 is uh Koali Nishigaya. He's a uh, a slot uh receiver for us. Kind of your down and distance just tough guy over the middle. Basically our version of a Wes Welker. Um he will go up and get anything for us and is not afraid of contact. His, um in, in a lot of ways can can find pockets and find spaces that uh, other receivers can't because he uh he went to St. Louis school out here. Um, which is that product, as you probably know, from uh, from Tua Tagovailoa to uh, Marcus Mariota, Kevin Cordero after them. Um, they've run the run-and-shoot offense as a school for generations over there. And so anytime you get receivers from that school that already know the offense that Hawaii's trying to run, it's um, exponentially uh, more uh, comfortable for them to jump into. Another one from the same school who's uh, kind of a super senior uh, coming into this season is Jonah Pinocchio, uh number one, over on uh, the outside for on the right-hand side, our Z receiver. Um, he's kind of one of our better deep threats on the opposite side of Stephen McBride. And we really lean on both of those guys for uh, a lot of wisdom in this offense because both of them are St. Louis products that, uh, that know how to run this offense to a level that most guys take years to learn at the college level.
0: That St. Louis program produced quite a few uh, notable NFL guys and notable, uh, quite a few notable just Hawaii guys in general. So curious to see yeah. what they do with uh, with the new head coach they just brought in, who I believe is a former Hawaii player as well. Um, the name's escaped me at the moment, but
1: um, yeah, Timmy Chang.
0: Um, no, well, Timmy Chang. Yes, I, I meant uh, St. Louis's new head coach, uh, former oh, Hawaii yeah. running back. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Hey, I, I promise I, I did enough homework to know who Timmy Chang is. Um, <laughs> no worries, man. Uh, but looking back at, at last year, Hawaii took a noticeable step forward getting to five wins from three in twenty twenty four. What's a successful season, in your opinion, when you consider what Timmy Chang's staff has accomplished already and, and what they're still trying to do?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been an interesting journey. Um you know, during the Graham era, who uh was our previous coach before uh the Timmy Chang era began, um, there just wasn't quite the cultural understanding from that coaching uh that coaching staff. And so a lot of our our, our local players and even our community, um, they they suffered, my brother. That it suffered during those years where it it's different out here in Hawaii. You you have to Uh, make appearances you have to listen before you speak you you need to put the time in for people to to trust you just with the way that things work out here and the first couple of years in the Timmy Chang era was um kind of rehab work for all of that was um in, in a lot of ways earning back the trust of local players on the team uh earning back the love and support uh from the fans and the community, it, uh, it really did a number. Um, I can't put that mildly. And so um, it's been clear that the first couple of years, there'd be a certain amount of grace uh, with regards to, uh, you know, a wins and loss uh, record or anything like that. And so the first couple of years was really just about getting back on track with how we do things here in Hawaii making sure the players are taken care of uh, the keiki in the community uh, really putting Hawaii back in a place of as, uh, an aspirational place uh, for local kids to want to aspire to. Um, now that that has been put in, um, I think year three is proving ground. If you talk to any one of the coaches, um, they all would agree that it's a bowl game or bust this year. Um, we've got our eyes set on certainly uh, the Hawaii Bowl. If we do better than that, uh, then uh, we'll probably play in another bowl. But this this year. In terms of uh, expectations, has to be we make it to a bowl game or it's a loss this year. I we 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 can't suffer any more um, of the uh, financial strengths that come with not winning, and uh, we need to bring pride uh, back to uh, Pride Rock in some essence.
0: You mentioned, you know, some of the cultural differences in in terms of how people view Hawaii football, how they, how they embrace that program. Uh, what's, what's something that coach Chang has done really well in rehabbing that culture that you mentioned, at least compared to how the other staff, uh, the previous staff, um, approach things.
1: Yeah. I mean, one thing right off the bat is he has every one of his coaches, um, whether they have Hawaii ties or not, uh, sit through, um, so, some Hawaiian studies courses, um, he uh it, obviously they they can't be in the entire class, but has them go in and just sit in through the kind of introductory uh studies of um the the, the college of Hawaiian studies and puts them through some of that um Hawaii has a long standing um just kind of story of colonialism and uh people from not Hawaii coming and taking advantage of the natural resources that this land has to offer. And when you don't come with a humble and open heart, uh and wanting to give back, it's uh, it's tough to earn trust from local people out here as you might as you might expect. And so that's the first thing. Um second thing, the uh the 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 vibe at practice, man, is uh is just a good one. They they put a big emphasis on um on family and and ohana out here and if you're on our team then you're a part of this brotherhood you've probably seen some of that marketing around that that's kind of the the mantra that's holding this team together is um we're we're a part of this brotherhood and we're a family and so um I think some of that is is um is kind of a, a sign that that things are headed in the right direction and from former teammates of mine and uh, local players that I've talked to on the team, it's uh, it's been tremendously successful in uh, in kind of earning back their trust.
0: I appreciate that perspective. I feel like I could pick your brain on that transition of staff for for a long time, but I, I want to be respectful of yours, obviously. Um, sure. Last question for you: As you look ahead to the summer, you mentioned there are some coaching vacancies that need to be filled. Um, obviously, the the defense uh, needs to fill some fill some gaps in terms of players leaving and that sort of thing from graduation or otherwise. Um, anything else that you think needs to be immediately addressed in the summer to prepare for that opener in August?
1: The, the, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, the, the fact that we even finished spring ball before knowing what our conference schedule is going to look like is, uh, again, just uh, kind of unusual in terms of uh, what we normally see from a schedule standpoint. Um, Staff-wise, yes, you, you said it. Offensive line is a paramount responsibility right now, um, or paramount importance. We uh, struggled with getting uh, – keeping Shager protected last year, and we're going to need to do that if we want to make any headway in our passing game. And then uh, our secondary struggled as well. And so um, getting a, a safeties coach in here that's going to work really well against defensive coordinator uh, Dennis Thurman, is uh going to be uh really important for us as well and I think the the biggest thing for this team right now that I can see is physically getting them bigger and stronger. Our offensive line is not super big. Um but you know covering college football that big does not always mean good. And so to to get them to a, a size capable of uh withstanding blows and kind of being able to stand strongly in the trenches is uh, going to be something I'm looking forward to as well uh, during this off season. Fantastic. Uh,
0: once again, want to really encourage everyone that's uh, interested in Hawaii football to check out Hunter's podcast with ESPN Honolulu uh, Hunter Hughes. Thank you so much for your time. And, and hopefully we can re- uh, reconnect in the near future with regards to the rainbow warriors and, and everything going on with that program. we
1: we'll love to Joe. Have a good one. My brother.
0: Hunter Hughes again. Great job by him. Great stuff. Hawaii always uh, a fun nightcap for college football Saturdays come fall. Now, let's talk about Arkansas State. And another program that showed a lot of improvement this past season, Butch Jones has them competitive in the Sun Belt this past season. Uh, Or with him, with Jalen Rayner under center, played really well. Sun Belt freshman of the year there. But to get into some of the more nuanced points of Arkansas State football, Uh, You're going to hear a couple guests on this next segment. Uh, First, you recognize Eric Henry from the show. He's been on a bunch of times. Um, But he and I have uh, taken a step into the G5 world once or twice. (laughs) We've been covering G5 football uh, a long time. And uh, a lot of our contacts are the same. And this week, we just took the moment, we took the time rather to uh, talk to Kara Ritchie from the Ticket Radio Network in Jonesboro there, who's covered all Arkansas state sports with a very admirable dedication, and um, very knowledgeable about the football program. So, enjoy her perspective on uh, our next segment on Red Wolf football. <laughs> Okay, uh, for this next one, talking some Arkansas State Red Wolves football. Uh, Exceeding expectations, at least in my opinion, last season under Butch Jones. Curious to see what they do in 2023. Kara Ritchie is the guest, uh, radio host in Jonesboro for the ticket. 107.9 K-I, uh, KFIN uh, is the station there. Uh, highly encourage you all to check it out. But, Kara, welcome to the show. Happy to talk to you.
2: Guys, I appreciate the invite. Uh, spring football is almost here, so probably a good time to start start thinking some football thoughts.
0: Eric, you want to take it away to start us off here?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Kara, you know, it's uh, good to catch you again here, talk a little A-State football. I kind of want to take a big-picture perspective here because it, it almost feels like the, you take a look at the arc of this program from the time we actually uh, covered a game together, 2019 Camellia Bowl, to now, that five-year arc. A lot has happened with this program that seemingly is kind of Set the stage to where they are now. So, you know, in, in as succinctly as you can, um, kind of take us through, you know, how we've kind of got here from the end of the Blake Anderson era and what was, you know, a stretch of, I believe, seven or eight straight bowl contests, bowl appearances, to now being here with Butch Jones and seeing the program back on, on the rise.
2: 2019, when we ran into each other at the Camellia Bowl, was actually the last bowl trip that I went on for a few years because A State was not bowl eligible for a few years after that. Uh, The following year, which of course was COVID in 2020, which was a mess everywhere with everything, uh, was a really tough year for Arkansas State football. And the Red Wolves ended up going four and eight. And that was Blake Anderson's final season with the program before he decided to depart and become the head coach at Utah State. Uh, A State went out and hired Butch Jones. And he cautioned us at the beginning that it would be a rebuild, but sometimes patience is a struggle. I am not a patient person. Fans by nature are not patient. So uh, going through a two-win season in 2021 was tough. Uh, a three-win season in in 2022 was tough. And then finally, you start to see a little bit of that payoff last year in terms of culture building and roster building and everything else. With a team that finished the regular season six and six and had the opportunity to go back to a bowl game. Once again, it was a camellia bowl. Uh, not the same result this time around as A-State fell to NIU, but I think there's a lot of optimism heading into 2024 with what this team is returning.
3: Kara, how good is Jalen Rayner?
2: He's a lot of fun, man. Um, and I cannot wait to see in 2024 what kind of step he takes going from uh, playing as a true freshman to being able to have had, you know, one full year of, of experience and then getting even better. Um, he is, you know, really mature for, I I feel like his, his, for the fact that he's a true freshman, you know, or was last season. One of the things that continually impressed me in the early going last year is when he had struggles, Uh, there was a stretch of, you know, maybe three or four interceptions where, not that they were all coming in a row, but when he did throw an interception on the very next drive, when he was able to get back on the field, he would lead the team to a touchdown or another scoring opportunity. So a lot of times you don't necessarily see that from young players. Problems can, to, problems can compound and, and snowball on you and things like that. We never saw that from Rainer. Um, he wasn't always perfect. There were some growing moments, but it never felt like he kind of let the situation get bigger uh, than it should be. And so his his leadership and kind of those intangibles that you look for in, in a quarterback are probably some of the things that impress me the most. And he's got some great wheels and a, and a good arm as well. So um, it was a lot of fun to see him grow throughout his freshman year. But I, I have really high expectations for him ahead in 24.
3: If you're just joining us, we are joined by Kara Ritchie. You can find her on Twitter at Kara underscore Ritchie. You can find her at the Ticket Radio, noon to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. She's a highly entertaining Twitter follow come for the A State updates stay for the Crash Davis uh, content as well. Kara, I want to transition to kind of the wide receiver room for Arkansas State. It's a team that is, you know, historically over the past really half decade or so has not had any trouble producing great receivers, and I think you have another one in Corey Rucker who's had kind of an interesting journey. If you could talk about him a little bit,
2: yeah, sure. You know, I flash back to uh, you know that that Camellia Bowl trip in 2019. Arkansas State just had an absolutely unreal three headed monster at wide receiver in Omar Bayless and Kirk Merritt and Jay Adams and those were all just like some physical dudes and and A-State hasn't quite had that production since since they all graduated Jay Adams was a junior that year so he's back in 2020 but you have kind of had to retool that room Uh, we got to see Corey Rucker as a true freshman shine he had a game at the end of the season where he ended up with well over 300 receiving yards which was pretty cool he did that as a true freshman, came back to A-State for his sophomore season, but then hit the portal and went to South Carolina. Um, it didn't work well for him there. He suffered an injury. He played a game. I think he had a catch, which was nobody was expecting that uh, from Jonesboro. Um, you know, in South Carolina, anything, and, and decided that ultimately he wanted to come back to Jonesboro. And that's what he did last year. And he was a big piece of that receiving room. It did seem like it took him just a couple of games to, to get settled in. But then towards the end of the season, we started to see over and over those highlight real catches from Rucker. And he ended up, you know, kind of really setting the tone there in terms of leading in, in um, leading in catches, leading in yards and things like that. And he has to be another big piece of that receiving room in, in 2024 because gonna A state's going to lose a guy who contributed a lot in the last four years and Jeff Foreman who graduated. So I expect big things again from rock in, in this upcoming season.
3: Kara, someone who's covered, you know, Arkansas state and obviously by proxy the some belt and group of fives for an extended period of time. now I would love to get your thoughts on this because, you know, you mentioned Corey Rucker and his journey, right. You know, starting mm-hmm. Arkansas state going to power five and returning just your general thoughts on, you know, I know it's kind of a cliche question, but your overall general thoughts and maybe just the portal and how the last few years have really affected Group of Five football.
2: I mean, it just it just kind of is what it is. It And it's and I know that's such a that's that's a crap answer. It really is. But like what, as a Group of Five fan, what do you do? You can't protest the system. You know, you can't put on your team. It just is. This is what is happening right now, and it's not that there are no guardrails. There's always been um, there's always been an imbalance in college sports. that's certainly nothing new, but it never feels like it has been this wildly off the rails before. Um, it kind of I get more and more in favor of player contracts every single day just because you have some balance, you have some kind of uh, guarantee that a guy is gonna be around for a little bit. At the same time, you know, I, I don't blame the players at all for things like this. I mean, this coaching carousel in particular was, was insane. The coaches do not honor these contracts. So it's really hard to turn around and tell a player, they need to stay and show loyalty when the guys that usually brought them in have no concept of that word themselves. So it's just, um, it's just kind of a mess. There's, there's no balance. You never really feel, I think one of the things for me is you never really feel settled as a fan. Anything can happen at any moment. You're just one roster refresh away from like losing half your offensive line or, or half your production. And it's, it's, just, it's just a hard feeling to get settled as a fan.
3: Listen, I cannot shade you for the it is what it is answer because as someone who covered, you know, Group of Five football, I tried to come up with these creative answers. And finally, after a few seasons, I was like, I get asked. I'm like, it is what it is. What can I say? You know, and, and as someone who – Joe, you'll appreciate this. You used to work for SP Nation, and now I'm working for 24-7 Cover in Texas. Who am I to judge about entering the transfer portal, right? But, um, you know, Joe, before I, I pass it to you uh, on this one, Kara, you know, you may not be familiar with our podcast. We like to ask our guests kind of a fun question somewhere in between, uh, you know, asking questions here. So uh, I will give you a choice. Uh, you have a choice between a geography question or a love is blind question.
2: I don't, I'm like under a cultural rock I know what Love is Blind <laughs> is, but I just don't watch. I I pick like two shows to watch for two years and I don't stray from that. So I'm really out of the loop with TV. So I guess we'll go geography and I can just get this one horribly wrong.
3: Man, Joe, I am over two on Love Is Blind with guests today, but that is okay. I can. Accept you're
0: Carrie. You're the second guest this recording session. He's been like, I need someone to talk about Love Is Blind with me. So, like, clearly, this man is in his feelings about something that happened on that show. I'm not cut up. But. You can tell,
3: Joe. Not Joe th- th- that that wasn't necessary, Joe. And I will take it up with you off ear as my uh, <laughs> my, my my work wife of now six years, uh, Carrie. It's actually a pretty uh pretty easy geography question for you. Where's uh, the favorite? Place outside of Jonesboro, you've ever covered again?
2: Um gosh. So the early bowl trips for Arkansas State were in Mobile. Um, there was this stretch where actually for five straight years, A State went to the godaddy.com slash godaddy slash whatever it was called at the time bowl. And it's not that it was necessarily uh some of the games were really cool, you know, it was a little bit different every year, but the cool thing about it is, is we kind of, as a, as an Arkansas State fan base, just kind of took over Mobile, and because of that, the Mobile natives were incredibly, incredibly welcoming, and so you would walk into a bar, and it would say the official home of Arkansas State, it, it wouldn't be, you know, they just made a banner and hang it up, but they would, the, the people who work there would see you come in in your A-State gear, and they're like, We love these people. You guys are great. You pack our restaurants, you drink our beer, you tip well. And so it just those were bowl games are are something that are so cool to me, because basically you're getting to go to a big party out of town with a bunch of fans that maybe, you know, and maybe you don't and maybe you'll get to know them after a couple of beers. But those are just some really great trips. So that's not necessarily about like the venue, because Lad Peoples was not exactly uh, the most stellar venue to to cover a game in. But in terms of the, the Mobile Bowl trips in the early 2010s, th- those were special and they were a lot of fun.
3: Arkansas State fans, everything she said, Absolutely true. When I was there for Camellia Bowl week, they know how to take over a city and and I can vouch because I was there at the bar that was the official home of the Arkansas state such and such. Right. Uh, Joe, you probably know this story. You know, I was there and I wasn't, you know, wearing FIU gear because I didn't go to FIU. I was just covering the game. Uh, I had a UCF shirt on underneath a, a sweatshirt. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm striking up a, a conversation with a lovely uh, Arkansas State fan who, as I swear to this day, was a dead ringer for Beyonce. So I was truly enjoying the conversation. And uh, some FIU fans walk in and they're like, hey, Eric, so on and so forth. And then the A-State fans are like, oh, you're with FIU? Oh, we can't talk And I'm like, no, no, I, I'm not with FIU. I just covered the game. And I have, they happened to see my uh, sweatshirt underneath. And it's like, oh, UCF, we beat y'all last year because <laughs> they had played the curable And I was like, all right, I guess I'm a SOL here. So I'll just keep it moving. So yes, Arkansas State fans do truly know how to take over a, a bowl week venue.
0: <laughs> oh my God. I, things I wish I could have been there for. Um, Kara, I want to take it back to the quarterback room for just a second. And I want to play devil's advocate a little bit. Sure. Jalen Rayner, obviously fantastic year. Sun Belt freshman of the year. Also in there, you have Malik Hornsby, who has seen a thing or two from his time at Texas State and at the University of Arkansas. But then you also bring in Josh Flowers, who's a really talented high school recruit from this class. I guess, do either of those guys start to push Rainer for that starting job and, and fall camp or otherwise? Or, or is it just kind of more of an insurance policy thing at this point?
2: So Malik Hornsby is going to play wide receiver at Arkansas State.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
2: So that was uh, that's, that's really interesting there. You know, when he left the University of Arkansas, I, I feel like A-State was on him. I feel like there was a recruiting trip made to, to try and bring him to Jonesboro. And, and ultimately, you know, he decided to go to Texas State and then departed there. And, and that was kind of news where it was, uh, it was broken. You're like, OK, uh, he's got speed. But, you know, I went back and looked. And I, I don't even think, you know, even in high school, he, he maybe caught a pair of passes on like some trick plays or whatever. He's always been a quarterback. So it's it's really interesting on on how he will go about making that transition. Um, a state does need you know a couple more guys to step up at wide receivers, so the potential for for targets is there. Um, he certainly has a lot of speed, so he he's just got to be able to catch the ball, run the routes, catch the ball, and and he'll be able to contribute there in that wide receiver room. Quarterback is is kind of scary in the sense that right now you got, you've got two in that room and two is not enough by any stretch of the imagination, especially when um, your elder statesman is a sophomore. So you do want a little bit more, you just want some experience mentorship, something in that room. So I highly doubt they're done at, uh, at the quarterback room, but the, the flowers versus Rainer conversation is, is a good one. And in terms of will flowers push, I don't know. Um, A-State will start spring camp in 10 days. Flowers is an early enrollee. He will be taking part of that. And if you've only got two quarterbacks in that room, both of those guys are going to get a lot of snaps in the spring. So we'll be able to see a good bit of Flowers. Uh, the answer, another answer is, is I hope so. Um, Rainer obviously comes in as the incumbent. He had incredible year last year, but you you need competition in every room, at every position. You need Flowers to push Rainer and, and make him want to get better. Uh, so, so I hope uh, that both of those guys, you know, go out and, and have excellent springs. I haven't watched much, uh, enough of um, Flowers, like in terms of his high school highlights, to know how that competition will go. Um, I've seen the stats. The stats are excellent, but Rainer's stats were excellent, both as a, a high school senior and then obviously as a, a Division one freshman quarterback as well.
0: In 2024, heading into the fourth season with Butch Jones as the head coach of Arkansas State. Year 1 to year 2 there was a small jump 2 and 10 to 3 and 9 this year however significant uh step up in in terms of quality of play with that uh 6 and 7 record and even like this close to having that first winning season under Butch right. Jones um I guess what do you think is is missing from this team in terms of 2024 being their first winning season
2: I think that um I'm just curious to see who's going to step up defensively Um, I have sky high expectations for this 2024 season. I'm not afraid to state it publicly. I think internally, A State has high expectations as well, and I think they should. This team returns just an insane amount of its offensive production uh, at an incredibly, incredibly high level. And so when you return that much production on offense, you don't need to go out and necessarily have a, a stellar defense. You just need to have one that's adequate. But that was not, that was a little bit of an inconsistent spot for A State last year defensively. And you don't return nearly as much production there. I'm especially concerned at linebacker, uh, where where A State has lot of, uh, lost a lot off of. It's too deep. So the thing for A State to take the next step is just you know being able to retool at the linebacker position, get a little bit of depth on the interior defensive line, which is so much easier said than done because everybody wants those big bodies on the interior and then just to continue to to make incremental uh, incremental improvements on that side of the ball because i think the offense is is capable of carrying this team
0: with coach jones i think unfortunately a lot of you know casual or people who aren't like dedicated to arkansas state specifically remember you know or when they think of him rather a lot of people are only going to remember that the end of that tennessee run um but with him obviously there's something that he's doing that's elevating this program slowly but surely. In your opinion, what is it about the way that he does things that's really resonated with uh, the guys in this program recently?
2: I mean, culture is such an overused word in college athletics. And I hate the fact that that's going to be my answer, but he's he's kind of retooled the culture and that's not, an outside observance thing. That is something you hear the players say. I feel like going, if there could have been a word last season that I feel like I heard more than any other, it was probably connectedness. That is what these guys said over and over about their teammates, where they talked about the ways that they were supporting each other, not just on the field, but off the field as well. And you do wonder, you know, as as we get deeper and deeper into the portal era and players just continue to to, to move all over, you know, what these coaches are gonna to do to just establish a group that wants to stick together. And it feels like Butch Jones has been able to do that with that connectedness. Um, You have a lot of different things that go on in in the offseason to kind of build that. Like right now they're doing the Red Wolf Olympics. Okay, so what they do, I'm sure they're not the only one, but they divide the entire roster up into like 10 different teams. You have a team captain. They do a draft. They compete in, obviously, in the in the weight room right now. Since you're not practicing yet, they compete in the classroom. They compete in the community. Uh, they go out, they, they have almost like a challenge to see who can go support the most other teams on campus. So you'll see these guys at tennis and at baseball and at basketball and everything else. So, so they're doing a lot of things to just try and stay connected as a team and to build that culture.
0: Yay. culture. And, and that kind of thing wasn't present under the previous administrations.
2: I mean, I'm sure it, it was to an extent, but I don't recall the players ever talking about it like this. I mean, obviously, they're they're a team, they're family, they they love their teammates, you know. But I, I don't remember, especially the word connectedness. I swear, I heard it a thousand times last season uh, when these guys just talked about how much they cared about each other. And then you've got these guys that are always talking about, oh, you know, I spent last weekend cooking for my teammates and all of this stuff. I don't, I don't remember kind of those those small stories like that. You know, you got the big picture stuff where. Obviously they're hanging out uh, around campus, but when it's the off season, when it's the weekends, when people kind of scatter, it's clear that these guys still spend a ton of time with each other and enjoy spending a ton of time with each other.
0: Kara, before we let you go, um, want to ask you to do two things. One plug where people can find your work on the day to day and tell us what Poncho's cheese dip is and why it's so good.
2: Oh man. Okay. Let me start with the the first question before I get sidelined by the second one. Uh, I spend entirely too much time on Twitter. I'm at Kara underscore Richie. So first off, that is the easiest place to find me. But uh, Monday through Friday, I am the host of the Workday Red Zone. It airs from noon to 2 central time on the Ticket Radio Network. Uh, the easiest place to find that is 953theticket.com. Once we get into football season, I've got other roles that I do, and I'll be on 107IK Fine and the EAB Rebels Sports Network and hopefully a couple more podcasts as it gets time to talk more football. But uh, the uh, Twitter and, and 953theticket.com are the easiest places to find me. Poncho's cheese dip is so special to my heart. Um, it's just amazing. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, uh, you know, it's a it's a queso. It's a white cheese dip. Years and years and years ago, there was actually a Poncho's in Jonesboro, and it burned down. I think when it was when I was in high school. I don't know if I've ever truly recovered, but they do still sell the cheese dip at all of the, the local supermarkets, and that is uh, it's it's just delicious. When I'm sad, I, I get a little Poncho's cheese dip. If I need to celebrate, you know. I might get a little Poncho's cheese dip, you know. It's just um, it's just amazing. It really is warms my heart.
0: Man, anytime you hear of a, a really good restaurant burning down, that's how you know, like they were working on something special in that kitchen. The flames yeah. got big, right? <laughs> uh, Kara Richie, can't thank you enough for your time and for your insight on Arkansas State football today.
2: Guys, I really appreciate the invite. Again, you know, we're... 10-ish or so days out from, from spring camp for A-State football. Some other teams have already started, so it's kind of time to start cycling back back into that mindset and, and get, getting ready to uh, see a lot of dudes hit each other in the mouth.
0: Exactly. Thank you so much for checking out G5 Football Daily. We should have another podcast episode for you next week, doing more spring football talk, uh, more combine talk, big draft episode coming up soon. Hopefully we'll get some coaches in here to talk ball that'll be a blast. Thank you to Hunter Hughes. Thank you to Kara Ritchie. Thank you to Eric Henry for all of their respective insights on this particular episode. Um, I don't think Eric mentioned his social handles. If you want to follow his work for two, four, seven sports, he is at Eric C Henry underscore. If you want to follow me, I'm at J O E H I O underscore, and we'll talk to you very soon with more G five football insight on G five football com coverage of the group of five football and nothing else. See you soon. Happy football watching.